Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 7. We are here going through the life of Moses, and we are going to come to the first plague when finally Moses and Aaron, they've already appeared before Pharaoh, but now they are going to appear, and we are going to see the beginnings of the plagues. The first plague here is when Moses turned the Nile River, which is the source of life in all of Egypt, in that entire Middle Eastern region, a huge Vast, it was in many ways, it's what made Egypt a wealthy country. And when it would flood, it would make it fertile, fertile place to plant your crops. And then what would happen is Moses, because of God's power, turned the Nile River from water into blood. So we are going through the looking at how there is a danger of a hardened heart. Do you know anybody about a hard heart? Have you ever had a hard heart? Hard heart's something where you're very callous towards. It's like, have you ever seen a guy that works with his hands? Not that I would work with my hands, but maybe you see a man that's swinging a hammer, working with wood, and you, you touch his hands, you shake his hands, and you see he's just like a rock. Like he could, a uh, thorn, a nail would scrape him. He wouldn't even, it wouldn't even hurt because he's been callous so much. Well, in many ways, that is what happens to what sin does to us. We become calloused to um, insensitive things when something that should absolutely, we find repulsive, sinful, unholy, we just think it's normal. And all throughout our lives as we age, it's dangerous for us to develop and to grow into a hardened heart. Maybe you've been burned at church. Someone has hurt your feelings or you don't like someone or you feel someone doesn't like you. You develop a hardened, calloused heart. We typically have the attitude when someone we don't like, someone who crosses us, we begin to view them as an enemy. And that's what a hardened heart does. Instead of seeing them as in need of a savior, instead of seeing them how God sees them, we view them as the problem. So look here in your Bibles. We are going to be looking at how first how Moses and Aaron they first and they're they've already been before, they've already appeared before Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh made it worse for them. They all of a sudden had to make bricks, but they had no straw. They had to go gather their own straw and meet the same quota. So now Moses and Aaron are going to go before Pharaoh, and they're going to appear, and they're going to they have not performed their miracles. Remember the miracles, Moses. And Aaron is going to take the staff and throw it down, God's staff, and it will turn into a serpent. And amazingly, by the power of the occult, the occult is real. There's a dark power out there. By the power of the devil, even false Egyptian sorcerers can perform these type of miracles too. But only so long God allowed that. But we see, we see here that God's staff, Moses' staff, it actually would swallow up these other staffs. So I want to give you some background information here before we read it. Remember about Moses. He was called by God to finally do this. We're setting up the exodus. We're setting up for what Moses has been wrestling with for all this time. He can't speak. He gave all these excuses. What if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? 
just, Lord, send someone else. And God just kept overcoming these objections. And finally, we've arrived to the point where God's man, Moses, is going to be allowed to be used by his, by his strong, outstretched arm to put the pressure that Pharaoh has had all this power and pressure on the Hebrews in slavery. But now the pressure is about to start coming from the Lord on Pharaoh. And what happens here is God, he's about to reveal his plan. The master plan we're going to see through ten plagues, through nine plagues, setting up for the tenth plague. And that tenth plague is what we're going to come to in a few weeks, and that's where we get the Passover from. And that plague is what caused the release. So this is setting up for something for when we hear about the Passover, the same time that Jesus died, that same season in the spring, we celebrated Passover on that, on that Friday night, a Saturday there, right there before Easter. When a lot of folks were in Jerusalem is when Jesus passed away. So, remember our plagues here. The three signs were his staff will become a snake. That's what we're going to see. He puts his hands in his cloak and it becomes diseased. It becomes white as snow. And then it's going to pick up the water from the Nile, pour it out, and it becomes blood. You would think that would get Pharaoh's attention. Not at all. These Egyptian sorcerers are going to be able to do the same. So verse 1, look what God's word says here. 7-1. Then Moses said, See, or God said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother will be your prophet. You must say, Wherever I command you, then Aaron your brother must declare it to Pharaoh, so that he will let the Israelites go from his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you, but I will put my hand into Egypt and bring the military divisions of my power, the Israelites, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the Israelites from among them. So remember, this is kind of a summary. God is reminding Moses, he's reminding Aaron, he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go, and I know you're hesitant, I know you're worried, but it's actually going to be my right hand. I will inflict punishment. I will put the pressure. I will be the one that's there uh, uh, pressing down on Pharaoh. If you feel like you're under a yoke of bondage, a yoke of slavery, maybe tonight, have you trusted in the Lord to lift that? Have you cried out to your deliverer, your redeemer, Jesus? He's the one we turn to in t difficult days. And right now, God's people, the Israelites, they had no one. They were in slavery in Egypt. And it was a hopeless situation. Pharaoh was ruthless. Egypt was a powerful country. And the Hebrew slaves were helping it make, make it happen. This is finally... We're starting to see the beginning of what's going to lead up to the Hebrews going through the Red Sea, the deliverance we've been waiting for. So Moses and Aaron did this. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses, look at this, was 80 years old, and Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Can you imagine being 80 and 83 years old? God has called you in his master plan is for you as an elderly person to go and speak to Pharaoh. Yeah, I bet 
I'm sure Moses at this point in his life, when they had that burning bush experience, he never dreamed, never would have thought that he would be doing the Lord's work, doing something like this at that age. But we never retire. You are always to be serving the Lord. There's always opportunities. We serve the Lord all the way till he brings us home. Think about here in our, on, our, on our church staff. Brother James Hurd, 89 years old. You know, he turns 90 at the end of November. We're going to have a big 90th birthday party for him here at our church later this year. Almost 90 years old, he works every day calling folks, checking on you, doing outreach, visiting people, very active, staying on top of things, here every time the doors are open, comes into the office when he can. And I think what we see is we see someone just like Brother Hurd, just like Moses, just like Aaron, realizing, look, I'm able there's no reason I can't serve the Lord. Look at our current president, Joe Biden. He was elected when he was 78 years old. Oldest president ever elected. God can use us, not in spite of our age, but because of our age. Moses had lived a full life. Aaron had lived a full life. And they had come to the point and says, Lord, I just trust you. Do you want me to go and throw my staff down and watch it turn into a serpent? God, I'll do it. What do I have to lose? I've lived a full life. Lord, I love you. I used to live in Egypt. I, Moses spent 40 years in that palace that Pharaoh lives in. He's very accustomed and familiar with Egyptian politics and Egyptian culture. And in fact, one of the things, Pharaoh could have known who Moses was because Moses was aware. Remember, he had been there. It had been 40 years, but he did have a history there in Egypt. He grew up. That's his hometown. It says here, verse 8, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh tells you, perform a miracle, tell Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded. Aaron threw down his staff before, the, before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. Absolutely. He's right there. This is the show. It's almost like I, I picture this. We've got Pharaoh sitting on the throne. We've got his uh, chief magicians over here. We've got Moses and Aaron walking in. And saying, I'm going to do a trick for you. I'm going to throw my staff down, Pharaoh, and it's going to become a snake. And it did. So f probably Pharaoh was impressed. He turns over his magician and says, can you match this? Wow, these guys are impressive. Look what they can do. Verse 11, but then Pharaoh called the wise men and sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, and they also do the same thing by their occult practices. This is the danger of the occult. The danger with the occult is it works. That by the power of the devil, by the power of sorcery, by the power of darkness, it is, you can actually practice the supernatural. 
I remember a story that Sherry once shared that uh, she was, um, I think she was at a conference, and she was telling me she was at this conference, like a women's conference, and the speaker there had been delivered from the occult, from practicing witchcraft. And she said how it started with was she started dabbling with it. It always starts casual. You're watching the TV shows, and you thought, you know, I think she started with the stones. You start with these different types of stones, and um, it always goes, it, it draws you in deeper. And the young lady was dabbling with these stones, trying to um, uh, predict the future, cause magic, uh, see things happen, um, pr- uh, cause change in their life, in her life. And then one day, she, the young lady said she was in the kitchen. And she called on one of them, just casually, like, was cooking in her kitchen. And just, there was a chair over there. I'll sign an example here. And she's just sitting there, and the chair's sitting there at the table. And she makes this kind of cute comment. She's got these stones, these rocks, practicing these spells. And she cast a spell on the chair. Say, chair, move. Move over there. And then, out of the blue, this is what led this young woman to Christ. The chair moved. I mean, she's alone in her house, in her kitchen. And by these spells, the stuff she's dabbling in, it caused the chair to move. Now, who caused that chair to move? Was it God? Not at all. It was by the power of the devil. And this young woman realized, oh my goodness. It works. That chair moved. And that's what happened here. These magicians, you almost wonder if they actually even believed by their false practice, if they threw their staff, Pharaoh's magic men, if they threw their staff on the ground, if it could become a snake. And it did. It says, the magicians of Egypt... They also did the same thing by their occult practices. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a serpent. I mean, one by one, they're just throwing them down. Thinking, oh, my. But Aaron's staff, the staff of Aaron, the staff of God, it swallowed up their staffs. However, Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said, just as the Lord predicted, just what the Lord said, Pharaoh would not listen. A hardened heart, an obstinate heart, and we'll be talking about this on Wednesday night as well, an obstinate heart. God described his people as being, uh, or the king of Og in the, um, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, chapter 4, as obstinate, meaning he was hardened to the Lord. Obstinate for us is when God has clearly revealed his plan, his purpose, his will, and we refuse to listen. Obstinate people are all around us. You want to have a heart of clay. You want to have a soft, sensitive heart that's, that's aware of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. How do you get that type of heart? You remain and you stay in God's Word. You allow regularly Christ to speak to you. You have a prayer life just expecting. says, Lord, I'm praying for this. I want, to, I want you to intervene. I want you to answer that. I want you to perform a miracle. 
So that's, what's, that's what happens. Heart's heart, heart, a hard heart does not acknowledge God. Will not. If you have a hard heart, God can clearly be speaking to you. Even when Aaron's Moses staff swallow up all the other staff of your magicians, just showing the power of God, he doesn't listen. See, Pharaoh, he's able to rationalize Moses' miracles because his magicians performed them as well. That, that, that rationalization, that, that ideology is, oh, I believe in science. The science is what I turn to. I look for the facts. And there's a lot of danger in that. So how do you, what do you mean, pastor, there's danger in science? God is over science. God created science. God created the facts. All truth comes from God. But that doesn't mean all truth leads to God. A lot of people actually discover science. They discover truth, but they have a hardened heart towards God. It was a fact. Moses could not deny it. Aaron's staff became a snake and ate the other snakes. Like this, those magicians lost their staffs. They're gone. I had to be a big snake after it was done eating all the other snakes. Those men lost their staffs. Like that's an undeniable fact. But because of a hardened heart, he still, Pharaoh still refused to acknowledge the Lord. Would not listen. You know, nobody didn't listen like Pharaoh. If you ever think of somebody who's had a hardened heart, refused to listen. It was just like Pharaoh. It's like, have you ever, have you ever been to drive through I'll give you a perfect example. My longest drive through experience ever in my life. It was in New Orleans. I was at Pie Pie's Chicken, back when I used to eat fried chicken. And I, I pull up there, and I went through the drive through line, and I, I ordered, like, whatever fried chicken, whatever my number was. And I guess they were just busy that day or shorthanded. I don't know. But the, the, the lady was like, sir, uh, it's not ready right now. Will you pull over there and wait in like this little parking area for your food? And you know when that happens, you know they've got you. Because you've already paid. You're holding up the line. And you think, well, I can't leave. I've already paid eight bucks for my food. I just, I just want it. Maybe it'll be a minute or two. So I pull up over there. And I waited and waited. Well, a few minutes later, a woman comes out. You know, five minutes later, I'm wondering, okay, here it is. She comes out empty-handed. It's like, sir, we're, we're still cooking it. It's, uh, we had some delays. It's going to be a little while longer. Okay, another five minutes. About this point, I've been in the car ten minutes, waiting off the side. She comes back out and says, sir, I'm still, I'm so sorry. We've got to... A lot of stuff, I guess. It was going to come later. Later. Just keep waiting. 25 minutes later. And what was crazy about it, this is what's hard about it. This is an example of a hard heart. When you're already 15 minutes in, you've already paid your money. You've already sitting there th thinking, well, gosh, I've already waited this long. How could I leave here? and not get my food. I've already invested this much time. What's another four, few more minutes? Well, I was at that place 25 minutes, finally receiving my food. And I, I share that because 
a lot of times we get invested in things. You, you have that hardened heart. You think, I'm not going anywhere. I've been here. I've been waiting. I'm next in line. It's my turn. What about me? And that's what we're seeing with Pharaoh. He, he, he believed, these are my slaves. They work for me. I'm not going to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to hear what God has to say. I don't even care about your miracles. Just like in my case, I'm thinking, I just want my food. I'm not going anywhere until I get it. I'm just going to wait right here. I've been waiting this long. I'll keep on waiting. Keep going here in your Bible. Look what happens. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. This man had a hardened heart. Was not going to respond. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. When you see him walking out by the water, stand ready to meet him by the bank of the Nile. Longest river in the world. Take your hand, the staff, that turned into a snake. And it also has a pr pretty big snake at this point. It ate all other snakes. And tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go. When you are saved, those you become God's people. We are not to live in bondage of slavery. We are not to allow ourselves to be just found ourselves trapped in disobedience, trapped in spiritual slavery. God came to free us. Jesus did that on the cross in the resurrection. Moses is here to free my people, free God's people. Let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But so far you have not listened. No, he has not listened. He's not going to. This is what the Lord says. Here is how you will know that I am Lord. Watch. I am about to strike the water of the Nile with this staff in my hand. And it will turn into blood. The fish of the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will be unable to drink the water from it. Literally, the whole Nile River, blood. Nothing. All of Egypt. Fish die. It stinks. It's disgusting. The life of their country dried up immediately. Pure blood just running through. Look what it says here. So the Lord God said to Moses, verse 19, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, canals, ponds, and all their water reservoirs, so they will become blood. There will be blood throughout the land of Egypt, even in wooden and stone containers. Your water bottle. You go to drink it, and it's not water anymore. Even in their home, their pond, all of their surroundings, it becomes blood. And the principle we see is by God's mighty hand. He, he told Pharaoh this is what's going to happen, and it happened. And it says here in verse 21, The fish of the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink water from it. 
There was blood throughout the entire land of Egypt. Entire land was, was bleeding. Everywhere they go. It's coming up in the reservoirs. No, no, no life anymore. But look at verse 22. Now this is interesting here. This is what God, by God's power, He's allowing this to happen. Because I, I tell you the reason I believe this. Because I believe Pharaoh is going to rationalize this. Pharaoh thinks this is a showdown. Pharaoh almost thinks this is a game. Like it's entertainment here. Look at verse 22 if you have your Bibles. It says here in your Bible, But the magicians of Egypt did the same thing by their occult practices. They were able to turn the water, the Nile River, into blood. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned around, went into his palace, and didn't even take this to heart. Let me illustrate what that looked like. It happens. Pharaoh's like, well, what do you know? I can't believe it. Moses and Aaron's staff turned the water and the Nile into blood. My Egyptians did the same. I mean, it's just kind of like, oh, well, all right, round one, I'm going, I'm going to bed. I'm going inside. I don't want to deal with this. So it, he didn't even, it says he didn't even take it to heart. He just shrugged his shoulders, thought, oh, well. Well, I guess the neat, neat little trick, neat little magic show. All the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink because they could not drink the water from the river. Look at this. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. That's how bad it was. It didn't just last one day. For a week, there was blood everywhere. Fish were dead, and I'm sure all the folks in Egypt were wondering what on earth just happened. Pharaoh once had used the Nile to bring death to Israelite babies. Remember Moses as a baby? He was told, because the Hebrew baby boys, Hebrews were growing greatly in number, he was told by Pharaoh, this is a, a previous Pharaoh, to be thrown into this river the Nile River, and to drown and to die. But now, this same river that, he was, that was supposed to kill him is actually killing off, beginning to kill the Egyptians. It's blood. God is reversing the oppression that Pharaoh, all these pharaohs had on the Hebrews for all these years is now beginning to change. It's been 80 years, even longer, 400 years before that. 400 plus years they were in slavery. Now God is reversing it. And we're going to see the hand of God against Pharaoh. But he would not listen. Pharaoh didn't want the Israelites to go worship the Lord because that was their laborers. He had a lot to lose. That's what kept it going for him. Pharaoh didn't care. If his magicians could perform the same miracle, we can explain it. Many times in our faith community, in our relationship with the Lord, a lot of people will look at us and try to explain why we do what we do. There must be an ulterior motive. 
They look at preachers and say, you're in it for the money. You're in it. You're in it because you need a crutch. You believe this stuff because it gives you comfort. When the real truth is, we believe the Bible because God has chosen us. He has revealed truth to us. We have been saved and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. You've been saved by Jesus. Has Christ transformed and changed your life? That's the powerful thing about the gospel. We do not want to be like Pharaoh and have a hard heart. Tonight's message, the purpose what, that I think God has for us this evening is that he's warning us about the danger of a hardened heart. Throughout this next few weeks, we are going to see Pharaoh with a hardened heart. And we need to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to have a hard heart. A hard heart is the man that will not respond to God. A hard heart is the woman that will not walk the aisle. There's, there's, they're embarrassed. They don't want to do it. They feel ashamed. And God's saying, no. My people, if you want to be my people, you should be proud. You should come out of slavery. Come out from your bondage and you worship me. God's calling you this evening. God's calling you home. He's calling you to abandon a false heart, a hard heart. I'm going to pray for you and we'll pray for your heart as well. God, I pray for those listening. I pray for those that maybe have developed a hardened heart. Lord, I want you to break that sin that's holding them. Lord, you set us free. Lord, you redeem us. You deliver us. God, I pray by your power, by your strength, you work miracles. God, if there's anyone here listening, on our podcast, or our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, and they've developed a hardened heart, I pray that, Lord, you, We'll work that miracle as you work through Moses and Aaron. We throw our staff down, and it becomes a serpent, and it eats other serpents, showing there's victory with yours. Lord, I thank you for your word. Pray it softens our heart, and we respond to you. We never become insensitive to the leadership of you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for what you do in our life. Pray we continue to be like Moses. And you call us and we're obedient. Even when we give our excuses, we overcome that. And we, ten times we go before Pharaoh. One after another. Even amidst Moses' frustration. Lord, you deliver and you save. You're a great Savior. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our life and life of our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I want you to respond to the gospel. You can fill out our online connection card if you've made a decision or if you have prayer requests, and we'll be happy to pray for those. Tuesdays, we have staff meeting up here at the church. We'll pray for those by name and lift those requests up to the Lord. God bless you. I hope to see you Sunday.